Well, good morning, everyone. It has been three weeks since I have been able to physically gather with you. And I just want to begin by saying, I miss y'all. I missed you. I was so I was moved. here, Carlos. You were. You, I yeah, stayed. I yeah. made sure everything yeah. was okay. She's been we, holding <laughs> down the fort. So, uh, But we are so excited to begin this new series of talks with you. If it's your first time, welcome. This is a great Sunday to join us as we talk about imagining more. And today we want to specifically talk about imagining more becoming the best place for kids. Can you tell we love kids around here? Yes, we do. Yes. Um, And before we do, I just want to share a significant day in my life. November 9th, 2020. I would have never imagined how my life would have changed that day. Because that day around 9.36 a.m., I got to hold for the first time our precious Charlie Joy. And Charlie Joy was born under four pounds, maybe 13 inches long if you round up. And that's because she was born early. She surprised us. She really wanted to meet mom and dad. What we thought was going to be a routine checkup became a, hey, actually, you cannot go home. Ilsian, get in this ambulance, and we need to take you to OHSU right now. Because what we discovered at this checkup was that Charlie's heart wasn't performing well. And it was decelerating, and that was a sign of stress. And so for four days, um, they had Ilsian all hooked up, and they were making sure that Charlie was going to be okay. And after four days, they said, nope, it is time to get this baby out of that oven. And that happened in a hurry. And so before you knew it, I was holding my Charlie Joy. In that week, the focus was simple. Make sure this baby is breathing and drinking. And that explains the NG tube. And so Charlie was born on a Monday, and by Thursday we had the, um, the confirmation that she was indeed born with Down syndrome. Something that wasn't a shock to us. We had known at 13 weeks that there was a 92% probability, and we were prepared for that. But all of this, friends, all of this... Emotion and experience in our first week with our precious Charlie Joy. There's a book that we recommend called Don't Miss It. It's actually back in the family hub that has given parents and grandparents and really any adult who wants to uh, a visual. And this visual of marbles that we have here represents the average number of week a parent or an adult has with a child from birth to graduation. And what they've determined is that on average, we have 936 weeks from birth to high school graduation. Now, I know that any parent in the room would probably... um, agree that having a child is more than they could have ever imagined the experiences that it brings. And I know that if there's any empty nesters in the room, 
they would say, they would testify to the fact that the time absolutely fly, flies by, doesn't yep. it? Yep. And so here we are. Um, and Charlie, this November, she turns three, and we have a picture of her most recent. And look at her. I mean, she's healthy, she's intelligent, she's independent, she's asking mom and dad for an Instagram. I mean, we're saying no. You're cute, but come on. And Charlie, for the last three years, has been true to her middle name. She has brought so much joy to Ilsian and I and everyone who gets to know her. CJ, as we call her for sure, uh, has been more than we could ever imagine. Well, we're going to fast forward to uh, August 13th. 2023, after service, we got to have a barbecue outside. Anybody here was part of that? So much fun. Well, the Rhodes family was there, um, Christy and Jamie, and they were preparing for the next day to take Oliver, their son, off to college, a 12-hour trip to the University of Utah. And it was so awesome to celebrate with him. He was one of my kids. And when, he, when we were saying goodbye, it was this moment for me of, and I put my arm around him, and it used to be like this, and now his head's like up here, and, I'm, and I held him a little tighter. And I, I thought about Jamie and Christy as they were preparing for that long trip. They were holding that final marble. It was time to let go. We want to be the best place for kids and youth in Washington County. And why do we want to do that? Because we know that in-between is so important. We want to prioritize and strategize and give our very, very best to kids here at Evergreen. And again, it's that in-between. There's a door that we're invited to be part of. And so if we've, we've determined as a church, if we're going to do anything well, if we're going to be the best in the world at anything, it's going to be these 936 weeks between birth and high school graduation and that in-between stage. Now, as I was thinking about that, I considered the first disciples, the first followers of Jesus, and how they also lived in a, sick, a significant in-between, one that you and I are living at today. And um, they were very much interested in knowing when Jesus would establish the kingdom on earth. They were very much interested in when he would reign. However, Jesus, he didn't spend too much energy on that because, as a matter of fact, we read that he wasn't privy to that information. His return was only known by the Father, is only known by the Father. And so instead, what we read about is Jesus spent most of his time and energy on talking about how his followers should live in the in-between, in between his resurrection and his return. And so we have many teachings where we can glean from what Jesus wanted from his disciples and for any of us following Jesus in the room as well or online. And so today what we want to do is we want to take a a few minutes and look at one of his teachings, one of his parables where he's talking about how to live in the in-between. Does that make sense? And so Matthew 25 contains this parable. And before we read it, I just want to give you some context. In this parable, Jesus is describing a master who's going away on a long trip. And in going away, he entrusts all three of his servants with gold. Mm -hmm. 
or with talents, a significant amount of money. And to one servant, he gives five bags. To a second, he gives two bags. And to a third, he gives one bag. And it says, each according to their ability. And it says that the first two servants, what they do is they take that money and they invest it for more. But the third one, he takes the bag and it says, out of fear, he digs a hole Mm -hmm. and just lets it sit. So I want to pick it up in verse 19. It's going to be on the screens for you to follow along. It says this. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Then it says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. He said, master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. As I said before reading, that the, it did not go well with the third servant. We won't read that part, but you can go home and read that. As he chose not to invest what was entrusted to him. Instead, out of fear, he dug a hole and put it away. And it says that the master not only was upset at the way this third servant handled what was entrusted to him, but that one bag that was given to him was taken, given to the one with five And he was also banished from the master's presence. Now, there's a whole bunch there that we can unpack. But I want us to put the focus on the first two servants. And what can we learn from their actions and what Jesus is teaching his disciples? The first observation that I made was the what. What is Jesus um, telling his disciples, his followers, to do in the in-between? And I've understood it as this. Invest what you've been given for more. Invest what you've been given for more. A simple way to think about this is to invest your what. Everyone say, invest your what. Invest your what. Notice, not every servant got the same amount, but what's true is every servant got something. And what that communicates to us is that each and every one of us It's not a question of if, it's a question of what. Mm -hmm. What has God entrusted to you during this in-between time? And so I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, what's your what? What's your what? (laughs) We all have a what, right? And what I mean by what is of course, more than a bag of gold. That's, that's just the metaphor for what I believe God is entrusting each and every one of us, whether that be an ability, an experience, a story, a connection, a culture, or even tangible resources. What, friend, is your what? You know, as I was contemplating this, I thought of an experience I had. I had, I had the privilege of being on the Guatemala Go team, What a wonderful experience and team. It was just so amazing. 
Um, but I became the de facto photographer. I said, I want to be useful. Let me, let me take pictures. And so I took many pictures on this trip, probably more than the team wanted to have. <laughs> but I did it. And um, out of the many pictures that I took, there's one that perhaps is my favorite. And I brought it to show you today. It's this picture of this woman. Isn't that incredible? And I noticed this woman walking around in the community, and I, and I, I just wanted to take her picture. I thought, I thought her garment, what she was holding, her whole presentation. And this was a Wednesday morning for this lady. And yet, um, and so the, the, the first opportunity that I had to engage her, I did. And here's what I did. I, I went up and I said, uh, en español, le dije, uh, me, me recuerdas a mi mamá. And I didn't plan to say that. That's just kind of what came out, and that's what was true. And what, what that translates to is, you remind me of my mother. And then I said, may I take your picture? And she accepted, kindly accepted, and she nervously posed. And I took one photo, and that was it. And then I showed her the photo, uh, and she smiled and said, thank you, and we went our separate ways. And I was so blessed by that, by that experience. But because we had spent the day, uh, we were spending the day in the community, hours later, maybe two, three hours later, she comes to find me, really in a crowd. We were, we were getting ready to dismiss. She comes to find me in a crowd, and she hands me a black plastic bag. And I receive it. I don't hesitate to thank her. Um, I accept it. Um, and then we, she walks away. And so moments later, I open up the bag and I find that she had given me a handful of tomatoes. <laughs> and I don't know this woman's story. And I can only assume her motivation. Mm -hmm. But something tells me that the interaction that we had, she left there. And she may have considered, how can I bless this younger man who sees me as a mother figure? In other words, she went away and said, what am I holding? What do I have to give? And for her, it was the most beautiful tomatoes I've ever seen. And if Natalia would have let me, I would have eaten them then and there. <laughs> but you can't eat raw vegetables on this trip. And so I obeyed even though I really wanted to disobey in that moment. But here's what we did. We took the bag of tomatoes, and this was the most precious item I had on me at that point, right? Like, this mattered. Mm -hmm. And so what are we going to do with these tomatoes? And so we talked it over with the team, and we went back to the hotel, went to the kitchen staff, and we asked, hey, could you do something with this? Well, the next morning, the team enjoyed the best salsa we had the entire trip. And isn't that what God does? Because not only did those tomatoes now bless me, but they blessed the entire yeah. team. And so I felt like God gave us a, gives us pictures of what mm -hmm. he does when we give him what we have. Yeah. He takes it and he makes more. And I want us to all be on the same page as to what we mean by more. Because more can mean a whole bunch of things to the whole uh, group of people, but here's what we determine more is, because if we consider the parable, one thing is clear. The servants were expected to manage the money the way the master would. 
the master would have invested that money and made more. And so the two servants understood the master's heart, and they stewarded his resources the way he would. And so couldn't this more than for us be simply this, to do the things that Jesus did with the same motivation he did them? Isn't that what it means to follow Jesus? To begin to do the things he did for the same reasons he did them. And so if you're exploring Jesus today, I want to be clear. What are some of the things we see Jesus do? Well, first, he loved his father. Mm -hmm. Jesus models how to love God. Secondly, Jesus loved people, particularly the most vulnerable. Who more vulnerable than children? We see that Jesus, he spoke truth, not in hate or anger, but he spoke truth in love. Jesus was someone who sought justice for the innocent. Jesus fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He forgave his enemies. Jesus proclaimed the good news that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to all who would hear and believe. And so that's what we get to do. We get to continue in the footsteps of Jesus and continue to seek the more that God wants to do on earth. And I'll finish with this. How should we do this? Well, if we reflect on the parable, I want us to consider that Jesus is saying, what you do for me, I want you to go all in. Go all in fearlessly, wisely, and faithfully. Why fearlessly? Because the one who received five did not hold any back. He went all in without fear of the master's retaliation. That's being fearless. The one who received two, he was wise. Why? Because he didn't invest more than what he had. Mm -hmm. He didn't look at the one who had five and said, maybe I can get three or four out of this. No, he was wise about what was given. And faithfully, because they understood the master's heart. They said, we know what the master would do with this with this uh, asset. And so they were being faithful to who the master was. And so how are we supposed to live for Jesus? We are supposed to go all in fearlessly, wisely, and faithfully. Now back to the marbles and that in-between. If Evergreen truly wants to do this, we said prioritize, strategize, and give our best. We want to do that here, near, and far. This morning, you may have seen a lot of excited kids running down that hallway because it's pop-up day. They started school, and they're getting, some of them are going to new classes, and they're so excited. But we have a passion to help these kids find and follow Jesus and to help them build their faith. We create that environment where they can't wait to come, and then they don't want to leave. And while they're there with their fun and their friends and their food, we have a team of people down there that their hearts are open to help them have an unshakable faith. That's good. And so we here want to invest in that team. We have 50, over 50 people who have committed to 2023, 2024 to be consistent leaders with your kids. That's amazing. That's because awesome. we know, that's amazing. <laughs> because we know that it's relationship. It's when they see them over and over again that that heart, that heart opens up. And so we want to empower them, we want to train them, and we give opportunities inside 
and outside the door to do that. And along with that, they're serving, most of them are serving three out of four weeks or they're job sharing and they're doing two weeks on, two weeks off, is we have a whole lot of subs who have said yes and we need more. That's an investment to say, hey, when the team isn't there, I can hold a baby one time. I can hold a baby once a month or every other month. There is opportunity there. Yeah. Now, near, we have an opportunity um, downtown Hillsboro for holidays. Uh, they have the tree lighting. We get to run Kid Village. Yeah. And there are hundreds of families that come, and we get to be the church. As we hand out popcorn and as we're playing with slime and we're having fun, the Holy Spirit is at work. I believe that with my whole heart. Mm -hmm. It's the preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. And God is at work in that. And then we have our precariously housed Christmas bags that you'll invite, be invited to be part of. Uh, we do that through the Hillsboro School District. And what an awesome opportunity for kids, for us, for, with these kids who don't have a place to call home. But they have a church that's loving them and that's praying for them. And then we also are exploring more ways to get outside the doors of the church. There are, there are many people, many kids, many families who will not step foot in a church. So guess what, friends? We have to figure out how to get to them yeah. and to be Jesus to them. And then we have FAR. We, uh, we have our Mexico Homes of Hope that will be going in November. I found out yesterday there are 16 people going. And out of that 16, there are 12, six parents and six adults going. And I was like, that's amazing. We have parents bringing their kids. What are we doing? We're modeling. This is what it looks like to serve. That's amazing. Good. It's amazing. Isn't yeah. it? And then Chicolte, we have another five years that we get to be part of that where we um, send teams. We sponsor kids and we partner uh, with the different things that they need over there. It is an amazing way that we as a church can be the best place for kids here, near, and far. And so as you consider what more looks like in this next season in your life, one of the uh, common uh, just teaching experiences that our kids have and e-kids is they're, they're taught to think about their head, their heart, heart and their hands. hands because we want the gospel to impact every part of them. And so we're no different. We want, we want God's word to penetrate our head, our heart, and then release us to go and do. And so today I just want to walk us through a series of questions that involved our head, our heart, and then uh, Kim will end with the, with the hands. But the first one is, is where we started about thinking about what's your what. What has been entrusted that's, that's unique to you, right? We can, we can be general, but really what are the things that are unique to you that you know God has placed you a steward of? And then the question is, how are you investing that? Are you holding it? Are you releasing it? Are you being wise and fearless? And so the, the what can be many things. It, can be, uh, it could be a relationship. It could be a child that you were given. It could be a, um, um, a spouse. It could be a close friend. It could be, it could be a neighborhood, a, a place where you're planted. For some of us, our what is our, is our testimony. Mm -hmm. It's our story. We all have a testimony, right? But some of us have gone through some unique things that God has done 
where you now have the opportunity to tell that in a creative and loving way that's going to serve other people. In other words, your, your what is your story? And God wants to be glorified through your story. Others, it's, it's, it's a talent. It's an ability. It's, it's, uh, it's just it's, uh, it's something that you can do that no one else, uh, you know, not your typical person can do. Um, your what can be a resource or an asset or a finance. It could, it could be your culture, uh, your family of origin. Um, for others, your what has nothing to do with anything tangible but has everything to do with your time, your season, your status. Maybe you're someone who's experiencing singlehood. Maybe you're someone who uh, is, uh, is no longer, uh, you know, in a vocation. And so you have more margin to invest more. And so how are you investing that? We, we talked about how the good stewards are fearless. They are not second-guessing. They, um, they aren't worried about lo- losing or retaliation. They are confident that God will honor their investment. A good steward would be someone who's wise, right? So are we being wise? Are we, are we having balance in our life or are we overextended? Because we know that sometimes we can overextend ourselves. And so is our wisdom looks like us placing balance and healthy rhythms in our giving, in our serving, in our activities. And, so, and then lastly, the most important thing that we all want to be is we want to be faithful, we want to align ourselves with the things that Jesus aligned himself with. And so what would it look like for you in this season to say, I am going to consider what Jesus valued, and I'm going to value those same things. What would that kind of faithfulness in your life look like? And next would be the heart, because we all want to know the why. Why? Why does this matter? And so for us at Evergreen, we want to be the best place for kids because here's what we're convinced of. We're convinced that every kid is made in the image of God, meaning every kid has absolute value. And so consider this quote from the book I referenced earlier, Don't Miss It. If every kid is created in the image of God, then every kid has divine capacity. Divine capacity to believe, imagine, and love, to care, relate, and trust, to reason, improve, and lead. And that is a whole lot of potential, isn't it? And so because we believe that every kid carries not only the image of God, but this God-given potential, then That is a tremendous return on investment. When we invest in the next generation, then what we're doing is we're investing in what's going to outlast us. Our investments are never lost when they're invested in the next generation. So we talked about head and heart and hands. Today we're inviting you to engage and invest in kids. And I want to tell you... uh, a story that happened to me seven years ago that changed my perspective. If you know me, you know I love the kids. I'm all about the kids. I've done this for 28 years. 
and been able to watch what happens when you invest in a kid's life. So I've always believed that. But this gave me a new perspective. Seven years ago, my dad's health was failing. He had not been doing well, and I got the call, you know, hey, you need to come to the hospital. Jumped in the car, drove down to Eugene at Riverbend Hospital, and uh, the next morning, he was, he was rallying a little bit, and my daughter was there in the room when the doctor looked and said, your body's tired, and it's not going to get any better. And he walked out of the room, and, you know, what do you do with that? And my dad, he was, my dad, everybody loved my dad. My friends all wanted to hang out with him. And he goes, well, I knew I was going to go. I just didn't know it was going to be this soon. And I'm like just looking at him. And then he looked at me and he said this, I'm not afraid. No tears. I'm not afraid. I'm going to see my mama and papa. And he started talking about heaven. And he had been sick, so he couldn't eat very much. And then he started talking about chocolate pie and coconut pie. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Dad, come on. You know, here we're all emotional. And he's all showing this excitement. Then he looks past me to a young nurse that's in the room. And he looks at her and he says, do you know Jesus is real? He is. I learned that as a kid. I cannot explain what happened to me in that room, but the power of the Holy Spirit came on me. And not only was my faith strengthened, but my call to kids was solidified in that moment. And my daughter got to be witness to that. And, you know, I was thinking... Our, our heritage of faith did not begin with my dad. It actually began with my grandma. Uh, as a young kid, I think it was eight years old, she would walk down to church all by herself. And I imagine that when she went down there, there was someone there that greeted her and made her feel welcome and felt belong and knew her name. Bernice, you're here. And she kept going back. Well, her family got curious and they started going. And because of this young girl, a whole family came to faith. That's where it started. My grandma, she had this, this faith that was um, quiet but strong. You know what I mean? It was just deep. And it was, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. These were not words. This is how she lived. As a young child, I watched this. I watched how she loved people other people would toss aside. And I watched how she loved her God and her church. I think that's why I love the church community so much. Mm -hmm. She would get so excited. She wouldn't miss a service. And I just remember, I want that. <laughs> Whatever she has, I want that. But there was an excitement that happened. Then she grew up and had a family of her own. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, five kids, and one of those was my dad and uh, my parents, and I'm one of four kids, um, and then here I am, and I have two kids, Ryan and Kelsey, and then they have kids, my grandkids, from generation to generation to generation to generation. It matters what we do. My dad decided to stop treatment uh, the next day, and he knew things were going to go pretty fast. We, were, we had been kind of preparing ourselves, but he wanted to call his siblings. He started with the oldest and worked his way down. And I listened to him uh, talk to each one. It was one of the hardest but holiest times I had ever experienced, listening to him talk to them. But there was one thing that stood out. When he was talking to one, he goes, I beat you. I beat you all. 
And I'm looking like, are you kidding me? Dad, you know, here, this is, I'm all emotional, but that was my dad. He was like, I won. It was like he won the grand prize on a game show and he beat all his siblings. And I realized at that moment, as a grown woman sitting next to him with grown kids and, and grandkids, that I was also his little girl and he was giving me shoulders to stand on. He had just told me that he learned that as a kid. He had lived that out in our home. And I needed to hear that. I did wonder, uh, as he called all of his siblings, one of his brothers was not a believer and not afraid to tell you that he wasn't. Mm. And I wondered, oh, what is he thinking as my dad was talking about heaven? But um, as, as that, uh, trying to think of the next piece here. <laughs> um, so, you know, sometimes I think that as believers, people look at us and they think, well, you don't have the same problems as we do because you have Jesus. Hmm. Do y'all believe that? <laughs> Whether we're believers, leaders, or pastors, there's struggle. Yeah. I mentioned my grandma, and I mentioned uh, my dad and my, my siblings, and my family, me, my husband, my kids and grandkids in that there's mental illness, we've struggled with addiction, crisis of faith, tragedy, and things that, that have rocked our world. But you know what we have within that? There's hope. Mm -hmm. There's a foundation of truth that underlies all of that. But here's the thing, we don't always get to see um, what we invest in. Recently, I was on Facebook and uh, ran across a post, my uncle, 90 years old, just got a face, Facebook account. This was the brother that my, that my dad talked to on the phone before he passed away, and I want to read you this. It was July 30th, 2023, six weeks ago today. As many of you know, Mary, my wife of almost 70 years, passed away October 2021. We had celebrated our 69th wedding anniversary that year. I miss her dearly. What some of you may not know is that she and I became Christians a few years before that. I have the assurance that we'll be together again for eternity. I regret that I had not given my life over to God in my younger years. If I had, I would have exposed my family to the joy of a Christian life. In that time I have left, I'm going to spend all of my time praying that others, um, that they and others will seek the Lord. I credit my decision to become a Christian to the influence of my mother and my brothers and my sister. If you're living with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I commend you. If not, I urge you to seek him. My mother prayed every day that all of her family would become Christians. Her prayers have been answered. Now my prayers will be like hers. What we do matters. And you may even be in the room right now and you have some family situations that you're like, it's the ugly, it's the messy. Do not give up. They're watching. Mm -hmm. They're watching down the hall how we respond to things, big things and little things, because we are modeling that for them. So we invite you today to invest and engage in the next, in the next generation because we do not sing this last song.
together, which so wonderfully puts into words our heart for this season, believing God for the, the impossible. I just want to share that Ilson and I, when we were considering moving up here and saying yes to this assignment, we were hoping for a family. So that was in our heart. And so as we sat, I believe, in this front row, um, still checking out the church, we noticed that the kids came in and to worship. And there is one kid who had my features. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was able to say, this could be your kid. This could be the church where you raise a family in. And Evergreen, here's what I want to say. I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a church that loves so well and particularly loves kids and families so well. Our yes to coming here has been one of the best yeses we've ever had. And it's because of the love that God has placed in your hearts. So I want to celebrate that today.